0: Hey, good to see everyone. God bless you. Good to be with you here today. Uh, Before I pray, I wanna let you know, for those of you that are tracking along, I shared two weeks ago when I preached that me and my wife, not me, but my wife is pregnant. And uh, just wanna keep you in the loop, because I know some of you guys are not on social media like me, but we found out yesterday that the baby is a boy. we did find out yesterday that the baby is a boy. I told, I told my we were praying, you know, the Bible says that you can, uh, sometimes you don't get things just because you don't ask, right? So I said, well, I'm happy with a healthy baby. That's, that would be the goal. But if I can ask, I said, it'd be great to have a boy first. It'd be great to have a boy first. So. Hey, uh, let's pray really quick. There are so many things happening in our church, so many good things, but at the same time, uh, as your pastor, I just I've been hearing. I, I pray with a lot of you guys, and you guys come up and talk with me. And there's just a lot of heavy stuff going on right too right now. A lot of health things that are going on. It seems like I have talked with countless people right now that some of them you may know, some of them are private about it right now, but a lot of cancer right now. Um, and so I was praying with a woman just last service who, um, I won't give you her name, but her baby's seven months old and on the, the baby's fifth round of chemo. So just your heart breaks for these things. And so I just wanna pray, that's what I do when I don't know what to do, I just pray. And so can we pray together just for what's, you know, what we're going through as a church? I know this may be a great week for you, but I know that it's it's heavy too, in a heavy season and so, when we don't have the answers, we go to the one who does have the answer. And so, Lord Jesus, we just, um, we thank you for all the work that you're doing, God. We know that in, at the same time you see uh, the breakthroughs that are happening in some people's lives and the breaking hearts that are happening in other people's lives. Um, you know that we as a church are celebrating a lot of good things, but you know me, uh, my heart and, and this church, my, my heart is heavy sometimes, Is grieves sometimes, God, uh, because of my brothers and sisters, my family, who's just going through some heavy stuff. And so, Father, I know I don't know all of it, but I know that you do. And before we dive into this sermon, I just ask God that you would just, would you just meet us where we're at, God, for the person that's here and, and they have this situation, whatever situation on their mind this morning or a text that they got this morning, Father, would you just, would you just give them your peace even now? without the answer to their problem or the solution to to their situation, we know that you have enough power to change the course of anything. And so we just thank you, God, that even in our brokenness, your word says that you are near to us. It's actually a promise from you. And so, Father, we ask today as we're here to listen and learn that you would help us, God. You would help us hear what you want to speak to us, God. Would you use me, Father? You know I can't do this without you. Would you just use me as a simple vessel to proclaim your word accurately and in a way that will make a difference in all of our lives? We pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, my dad gave me a story to share and I'm like, ugh, it's kind of embarrassing for me. But anything for the gospel, right? So, I'm going to share this story. I didn't share this story first service, and I don't know. My wife's probably in here somewhere. There she is. Okay, well, we'll talk after if this isn't the right story to tell. Um, so, here's the story. Uh, a few months ago, a while ago now, a few months ago, when I was doing a lot of Zoom meetings from the house, I, uh, uh, you know, I was in my office all day with these Zoom meetings, so my routine, get a coffee, get some water, get going, right? I don't eat till the afternoon. So I have one cup, she knows where this is going now, I have one cup that is pretty much the only cup that I use in the house. We have no cup like it, it's just a red cup. I don't know why, but it's the only cup that I use, this big red cup well this cup gets dirty sometimes because I don't wash it every day oh shucks and I left this cup and it was dirty in the sink and so I was like okay well for whatever reason I like drinking out of plastic fake cheap cups right and so I said okay let me look for the other you know cheap cup so I open up the the cupboard and I uh, find this white cup that's Carolina's cup and I grab this cup and I take this cup it's with all the other cups And I grab this cup, fill it up with water, and off to my meetings I go. Well, when my meeting was done, and I was finished drinking all the water, I walked out of my small office, and I was walking, Carolina happened to be at home that day, and so I walk out with my empty cup now, and I'm bringing it back over to get refilled, and Carolina says to me, where did you get that cup? i just came out of a meeting. Mine's on the agenda. I say, uh, I got it from the cover. She says, why are you z- using that cup? I said, my cup was dirty. My favorite red cup was dirty. And so I just found another cup that was similar to it. She says, well, yeah, but that's my bridal cup. It has bridal on there. Like, what are we, claiming cups now in the house? I mean, it's a cup, it's a plastic cup. I like drinking out of those type of plastic cups. So then she says something and she tells me, well, you shouldn't be drinking out of that cup. And I go, well, why? I mean, this is you know, it's a free house, free, free country. We can do what we want, you know? I don't understand the point about the cup, guys. I'm, I'm just out of meeting mode, about to go in another meeting. I'm like, you know, what's the issue here? And she goes, yeah, you're not supposed to be drinking out of that cup. She goes, oh, I'm going to share this. She goes, yeah, that's the cup I use to pee in to do my pregnancies. <laughs> That's the cup I use to pee in to do my pregnancies. We had a long discussion afterwards about putting certain cups not with all the other cups that we use. We've had this debate with a couple of couples. She's still pretty convinced that she did nothing wrong. but. I didn't want to drink from that cup. That cup is gross. It's dirty. I just wanted some pure water. I didn't taste anything, but I wanted a clean cup. There's a point in all this. I wanted a clean cup to be able to use, not a dirty cup. I could have chose a different cup, But that's the cup that I chose, thinking that it was clean. Today we're diving into a passage where God is going to talk about his household. And he's going to talk about the different utensils in his household, the different cups and plates in his household. And God has a truth that's buried in this that falls right in alignment with what we do as humans. We don't like to use dirty utensils. Nobody wants to eat out of a dirty plate when you go to a neighbor's house. We want clean plates and clean cups. And when something's dirty, we choose actually not to use it, and instead we use something that's clean. This is a biblical and spiritual principle that God wants us all to understand. God wants to use all of us in a very powerful way. He wants to make a difference through your life. He just doesn't want to wash us and cleanse us of our sins. No, he actually wants you to be in the middle of his mission, making a difference in people's lives, sowing seeds of goodness, being a generous person. God wants to use us right in the middle of everything he's doing to reach the world. Yeah, it is a good thing. The challenge and the problem is, just like we don't like to use dirty utensils to serve other people, God doesn't either. God doesn't want to use something that's dirty to serve people. God wants to make sure that if he's using a utensil, which is really the image of it's the picture of us, we are God's utensils in his household. God wants to use us because he wants us to be clean. Just like you wouldn't want to serve a guest that came to your house to have some, a meal, you wouldn't serve them on a dirty plate. If you had the option between using a dirty plate to clean somebody and a clean one, it's an easy decision you choose the clean one. And in God's kingdom, in God's household, he has a lot of different plates. He has all of us to choose from. And God, knowing the thoughts, not just the outside, but the inner motives and things that are going inside of our life, God chooses to use us based on how cleanly we are living our lives. And I know that everyone in here, as a follower of Jesus, that you're saying, I'm committed to him. If you're a follower, you say, hey, I know that you don't want to be on the sidelines. You want your life to matter for Jesus. You want to be right in the middle of the will of God. You want to be used powerfully like the stories we read about in the Bible. And the difference between someone that's used by God in a powerful way and somebody that's sidelined from God is not God's desire to use them or not use them. It's our willingness, it's our willingness to clean up things in our life that don't please God. Are you tracking with me? Today, we're diving into a passage and we're going to be talking all about that, how to be, how to really clean ourselves up in certain areas so that we can be used by God and the passage that we're going to is a passage found in second Timothy chapter two, and we've been into second Timothy for a couple weeks now. And if you're here for the first week, let me remind you of what second Timothy is all about. Second Timothy is written by a very famous person, you know, the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul is in prison while he's currently writing 2 Timothy. He's writing it to a younger man named Timothy who had a great calling upon his life to do great things for the Lord. Timothy, to be honest, is a lot like me and you. I identify probably more with Timothy than I do Paul. Sometimes I wrestle with being as bold as I want to be for God. And that's what Timothy wrestled with. Timothy wanted to be used by God, but was a young leader who was growing up and needed a lot of insight and counsel about how to be used by God. And so as he's being, as Paul is speaking to him out of a jail cell, he's writing to Timothy and ultimately what he's telling Timothy in this passage is, Timothy, if you want to be used, here's the one, two, three about how to be used by God. And so as we take notes this morning, I want us to write down the one, two, three that Paul is giving to Timothy. So we as well can apply this to our life and not be sidelined or used less than we need. Than we should be used, but be very useful to God in changing the world. Amen. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 14, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of God. If you're taking notes, write this down. We need to seek approval from God over anyone else. As you're figuring out your walk with Jesus. Like I am trying to live for Jesus day by day, trying to do right in my relationships and treat people that I'm close with or not close with. Right. Speak in the right way. Think the right thoughts have the right motives for actions that I do. I know just like, you know, that it's not an easy, uh, walk to live. There's challenges in being a Christian. There's temptations in being a Christian. There's pitfalls in being a Christian. If you're like Paul, Paul was abandoned. He goes into those verses before that, that as he's serving God, this is the apostle Paul called by Jesus himself. He was abandoned by people in this faith race. And as Paul is speaking to Timothy, he's saying, listen, Timothy, if you want to be used by God, you need to make sure that your highest aim, the most important thing to you is not the approval of people but is the approval of God. He says the highest thing in your life, (laughs) Timothy, if you really young, Timothy, if you really want to live a life that you look back on years later, and say, wow, God really used me in a way I never would have suspected. He says, step one, Timothy, make sure that the goal of your life, the aim of your life is not to please your boss. Just please your spouse, just please your parents but the ultimate goal is to please God. And he says it in a simple way. He says, do your best, put your best forward. Give all that you have. Put your whole heart and mind into serving and loving and giving to God all that you can give. You know, I think about, you know, how I this language of presenting yourself. I think about, you know, especially on Sundays or if we're going to take photos as we've done a couple times in the past years, you know, my wife asked me to kind of come out and I come out and she, you know, I choose my dress, you know, my, my clothing. And I kind of ask her, I say, Hey, you know, how'd I do? She, if you see my closet, she's pretty much always like, does it have to be black today? We went on a vacation not too long ago and she took like an hour or something to pack. I took 10 minutes. It was literally a stack of black shirts, dropped them in the bag. I'm like, I'm ready, here we go. And so sometimes when we got these, you know, we go to do a photo for, you know, something special, you know, we're going to do a, a, a photo shoot or whatever. I, you know, I kind of make sure, I want to make sure that my wife approves of what I'm wearing. Sometimes she wants me to kind of match or something. I, all I have is black, so I got to try to figure something out but she wants me to kind of make sure, hey, listen, hey, can maybe can you can use different shoes today, those brown ones, those ones are a little bit nicer, and they go with this or that. And my wife, I stand before my wife, kind of do my little 360 over here, and as I show off my outfit, she kind of approves or disapproves. Maybe she says, hey, you know, not your best. Maybe go back, change the pants, or do this, do something a little bit different, and sometimes she goes, oh, wow, I really like that outfit that's a really good one. It's always kind of based on her outfit, but regardless, she said, I really (laughs) like that outfit. And to be honest with you, it's not a struggle for me. If she doesn't like what I'm wearing, I'll, I'll change it and tweak it. Why? Because I care more about what her opinion is than anybody else's opinion, to be honest with you. I don't really care what the photographer thinks of my clothes or people that are walking past me think of my clothes. What I really care about is my wife's opinion about what she thinks I'm wearing because these are the photos I'm taking with her and her approval is the one that matters the most. With God, it's the same thing. If your approval is anybody other than God, then listen, it will be really difficult to live out your Christian life. Because it would be, I got to approve over here. And well, I got to approve this person. I'm going to be over here. And well, this person wants me to be this for them. And you will be pulled and pulled back and forth, trying to appease and approve, uh, give, get everybody's approval. Our Christian life is so much easier when you only need the approval of one. When you only need the approval of God and you say, Hey, listen, I want to be right with people, but ultimately at the end of my life, whose opinion matters about this decision or that decision, really ultimately God's approval is what really matters to me. And that at the end of our life, the words that we want to hear as Christians, when we stand before God and our whole life is laid before Him, is well done, good and faithful servant. That that's what we're making the decisions and holding off on certain things and living in a right way is because we have a clear perspective of whose approval we want. We want the approval of Jesus. We want him to say, listen, you didn't live a perfect life, but you know what? You really served me well. You really gave me your heart in this area. You were really committed in this area. You were disciplined in this area. You really uh, worked hard to keep your marriage and to stay committed in your marriage. He, and God's going to look at it and say, well done. That I approve of what happened here. Don't you want that? Don't you want God to look at your relationship and the way that you're doing things right when everybody around you is doing it in a certain way and God goes, man, I approve of that. You're doing that different. You used to do it this way, but I approve of the way that you're living out your relationship right now. Hey, you used to, maybe you used to do your work a certain way. You'd, you kind of cut corners and do things. But now that you know, Jesus, your approval is not your coworkers. They may look at you weird because you don't join in with their practices anymore, but you're different now. And your approval is not your coworker and it's not your boss. Your approval is ultimately Lord Jesus. And so I'm not going to cut corners because I love Jesus and he's the one that's inspecting all of my actions, all of my motives, all of my thoughts. All that I do is inspected by the one that I really care about their approval. Galatians 1:10 gives us clarity about how we should live our life pleasing and how we can't please others, but we have to please God. Listen to what Galatians says. It says, for I am now seeking the approval of man or God, or am I trying to please man? He's asking questions. He's like, am I, Paul's like, am I trying to please people? He said, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let me say that again. Paul's saying, as an example to us in the faith, he's saying, if I try to live my life to please other people, I'm not going to be able to please God because sometimes those are at odds and will be pulling me in different directions. And if people, I need their approval and I need God's approval, guess what? I'm going to be blown and tossed back and forth. But if my approval is God, then I can align myself as an, even if I disappoint these people or they're not happy with the decisions I make, that's okay because my ultimate approval is from God. And this approval is not just in the actions that you do. It's not just in the words that you say. God is saying, hey, I'm looking over your life and I wanna make sure and I wanna approve the way that you're living their life. But it's actually something very specific as well. God's looking over the general, you know, inspecting our general life as we live for him and we serve him. But he's also inspecting something very specific. Listen to what the scripture says, what he's inspecting. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, got it? A worker who does not need to be ashamed, okay, when you do things right, you don't have to be ashamed, got it. And here's the place, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Let me explain that to you. My wife and I, we go to this, there's the Amazon store in Oak Lawn, and we get our packages at the locker. We don't shop there, but we get our packages there. and. As we went, I went this a week ago or something, and I picked up three different packages, one package for her, two for me. And she was, i brought them. we brought them back to the house, and she's watching a program, they're sitting on the table, and I thought, okay, time for me to cut these things open. So I get the scissors out, and I start uh, cutting, and I cut the top of it, and the first thing I pull out is my hat. I didn't like it, so I'm gonna return it, but cut, cut, cut. The second thing I pull out, is this belt that I wanted. And so I cut, 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 real straight. You know, you gotta make sure you don't, I don't wanna cut anything. And I pull the belt out. I'm like, great, I like this, I'm gonna keep this. She's watching her program. The third thing is her thing. And it's actually a pair of pants, Uh, maternity pants. I don't know what those are, but maternity pants. And so I started to lose a little bit of focus as I was cutting. And so I got the package, and I go snip, 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 and then I went down a little bit. You know when you're just kinda letting the Lord lead you? No, I'm just kidding. You know, <laughs> kidding. You know when you're just kinda like doing things, you're not really thinking about them, I go snip, snip, and I went down and I snip, and I was like, I, well, it's, it wasn't too far down, I thought, no issue, no problem. I opened the package, pulled the thing out, and I'm like, no, it's okay, and then I realized there is three holes. The fabric had layered over, and I cut, and it was three, like, triangles in a place that you wouldn't want the triangles to be at. (laughs) And I showed my wife, I'm like, uh, babe, like, I totally ruined your thing. And I thought she was going to get upset or something. She was like, oh, no, no issue, no worry. I caused damage when I didn't cut something straight. Paul's language that he uses here is exactly talking about that. The language here in, in using or dividing scripture, or correctly breaking down the scripture, his language here, that language means to cut straight. It's like the Amazon package. It's your duty when you come to the word of God to cut straight. In other words, to understand what God has to say through his text, not simply what you think it has to say or what other people tell you it has to say, but what God has to say through his text. It's like a craftsman cutting a straight line or a farmer plowing straight ahead. It is our responsibility to make sure that when we come to the Word of God, that we know as much to the ability that we can what God is trying to communicate to us, what is his original intent, not, as, not simply what do we think it has to say, the problem with, with just trying to figure out ourselves what we think without studying it and being diligent is we can lead ourselves astray or we could lead other people astray. Sometimes people lead you astray and they don't mean to lead you astray. They think it means this. Maybe they haven't put that much diligence into studying it and they say, yeah, yeah, I think this means that, yeah. And you base your life off of it and what happens? Like he says, you end up off path because you haven't followed something that's correct, you followed something that's wrong. Sometimes, church, let me just kind of tell you that there's people out there who want to manipulate you, who want to take advantage of you who wanna try to twist and bend scripture to lead you to an end that doesn't benefit you, but benefits them, is what scripture says. And sometimes people will take one verse out of context, connect it and just bring it and say, yeah, this is what God wants you to do. This is what, and here's the key thing. If you don't know enough scripture, if you're not in that Bible daily, If you're not listening to the word or putting on Moody radio or reading your daily devotional, if you're not getting into the word and being a student of the word, then when somebody brings something to you that sounds good, but isn't right, it's really easy to get tripped up into that. And when you take something that you think is right and apply it to your life, it can lead you astray. And that's exactly what Paul's talking to Timothy about. He's saying, Timothy, as a young pastor, Make sure that you study the word right so that when you teach people, they apply it to their life and it doesn't end them up somewhere that's going to be damaging or the verse earlier that will ruin them. And I say the same to us. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. That's okay. You still need to be diligent students of the word so that you can disciple other people so that you can lead your family so that you can lead your children. So that you can lead someone that comes to you and say, Hey, I don't know what the Bible has to say about this. And you can say, Hey, I don't have all the answers, but I've done my due diligence in studying, or I can study that because I don't want to lead anybody astray talking about preparing ourselves to be used by God. Number two, be selective. Be selective of people you associate with. There are far, there are few things that affect your right living. You living right for God, you doing your relationships right, your work right, your speech right. There are few things that are gonna have a greater impact about you living the right way than the people that you associate with. The people that you choose to bring in your circle. The people that you choose to hang around with, the people that I choose to listen to, those people, whether you and I realize it or not, have a profound impact upon our life. We tell this to children, right? Hey, listen, choose the right friends. Why? Because if you choose the right friends, then ultimately we believe that's going to affect all the decisions you make in your life. Let me say to you what you said to your children, choose the right friends. Choose the right friends. Everybody has that one friend that you've had, whether you still had it or you've had them in the past, that you just feel like, man, this is a person. Every time I'm around them, it just seems like drama seems to circle them. There are some people that that they're just living. Listen, when you live apart from God, you start train wrecking your life. You start ending up in situations, ending up in things. We're watching this TV show right now. I won't tell you what show it is, but we're watching this TV show. My wife put it on, and I, it's this girl, and she keeps making all these wrong decisions, and it's titled blank, I won't tell you, but, but I told my wife as I'm kind of watching it and kind of studying, I told my wife, I said, this show should be titled Bad Decisions. I mean, this person has so many opportunities and chances to fix their relationship, to move out, to get out of an abusive relationship to this. And they seem to continue to make the wrong decisions. Even when they're provided with great options, they decide to go back to the old ways that they've been living and repeat old cycles. I feel like it's bad decisions and the people that you are around. Will they either help influence you to make right decisions or will influence you to make wrong decisions? Paul says here, he's saying, listen, in a large house, that's the church, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but of wood and clay. So he's given a picture of different utensils. Some are gold, some are clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purpose, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Paul says, listen, some people are used for these purposes, some people are used for these, just like in a household. But not everybody is used to the same degree. The way that God chooses who he's going to use is based on the right living or cleanliness of living that you and I as Christians choose to embrace when I have friends over Carolina's job is to cook some really good food her salmon is my favorite if I had one meal left Carolina you hear me what one meal left it'd be your salmon she's got that covered What I do, I get the plates, I get the cups, I get the forks and the knives, and I put everything on the table. I'm a little bit OCD. And so if I see a plate, and especially when we're using the dishwasher, if I see a plate that has just a little bit of gross nastiness on there, even like a water stain, I'm like this, like looking in the light, like, Carolina, do you see this? That we can't use that, right? This is, this looks dirty. If it's just a little bit, sometimes I'll take it to the sink, wash it off and get back to it and use that plate. If it's a big mess, then I just choose to put that plate aside because it's not clean enough. And I choose another plate to use in God's household. He has all of us at his disposal, but God chooses to use some of us over others more so because he looks at the way that we're living our life. How's your speech? How's your motive? How's your relationships? How are you conducting yourself? And when God looks at our life, he sees us more clearly, plainly, and more naked than anybody else around us sees us. He really knows us. I mean, the Bible says he knows the hair count on our head. So you don't believe he knows the thoughts you thought last night? And he's constantly inspecting and looking at your life. This doesn't have to do with salvation, by the way. This is not about you're saved or you're not saved. This is you're used or you're not used. This is not about salvation. This is about service to King Jesus and God's looking at us and saying, yeah, okay. Yeah. I saved you. I washed you. My Holy Spirit's in you. You're gifted. Think about this. God's not even choosing to use people based on giftedness. That's less important. How gifted of a person you are is less important to God than how clean of a life you are living. There are some people that are Christians that man, are they gifted? God's given them talent and ability. They have experience. And could God make an impact through it? Wow. The, he could change the world for, for through their life. But you know what? They've sidelined themselves, even though they are incredibly gifted. They are not, and they're not willing to live a clean life. And God says, I don't care how gifted you are, I'm not going to use a dirty plate to serve people. I'm looking for people that are saying, I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to clean that mess up, do some self-cleaning in my life, get rid of some things. And he points to one of the key areas of self-cleaning, one of the key areas that affects our self-cleaning or our cleanliness, he says, is those who cleanse themselves from the latter. He's saying, those people that are not living right will affect your ability to be used by God. Because the more that you associate with somebody that's not living right for God, the more that you will wrestle with staying clean. Uh, Let let me, let me say that. I don't want you to miss that because this is, this is really a huge deal in people's lives. You know, some people like, feel like, oh, my, my faith walk just seems like it's a, it's a constant Mount Everest with a 90-degree, you know, it's just like always this crazy slope up. Uh, can I tell you, sometimes when I dig into the details of that story, it's because we as Christians surround ourselves with people that are not pushing us to live more for God, but are actually pulling us back into the old ways we used to live. You know, I just hang out with them a little bit, Okay. But what are the thoughts that you think when you're done hanging out with them? When you're done hanging out with that old friend that you've known for the last 10 years, and okay, you've known them. Let me ask you this. Do, do you leave more excited to live for Jesus or you kind of feel like, why am I doing this? I, I've been a Christian for quite some time and I've realized the effect upon even a cynical person in my life send some people that are really close to me that are always cynical and you know what I realize I always think oh, I'm big this big strong I can do this I realized wow I could get cynical really quick when around a cynical person you're around someone that's always tearing down people you know what's going to happen going to be real easy for you to start tearing down people too you're around people that are compromising their relationship you know what gets easy compromising your relationship and when you're around people that are compromising, that are in the, in this language, right? They, they may be Christians, but they're not living in a Christian-like way. And you're around that. You associate with that. You're close to that. You're affected by that. You're influenced by that. It does not make it easy to continue to live a godly lifestyle. Actually, Paul's saying the more that you do that, the less that you're used. An ungodly believer is more dangerous to your faith than a godless atheist. Let me say it one more time. An ungodly believer is more dangerous to your faith than a godless atheist. You are more affected, Scripture says, you are more affected by the person that's a Christian that's living wrong than the person that doesn't know Christ and has always been living that way. And the challenge is sometimes our guard goes down when we're around Christians. We think, well, you know, they're all, we're all, we all know Jesus and this and that. And our guard goes down sometimes with Christians that are not living in the right way. And we easily get sucked into that type of lifestyle. It's a lot easier to stand strong when you're around people that you know. You know, maybe it's that family party. You know they're what they're going to do. You know how they're going to poke you and prod you and say you're the Bible thumper Jesus this. Like you know that, so it's not as big of a challenge. But when your guards down around some people that you maybe maybe are Christians, it's a lot easier to compromise your walk. And when we compromise our walk, God says, "I can't use you." I want to use you. But when you're living wrong, I can't use you. Paul says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes. When you're really serious about getting yourself around people that are going to spur you on to live for Jesus, what Paul's saying here to young Timothy is he's saying, listen, when you cleanse yourself, when you get serious about living in the right way, when you get serious about surrounding yourself with people that are serious about their faith and they're trying, they're not perfect, but they're really trying to live for Jesus. He's saying, when you cleanse yourself from the latter, you will be instruments for special purpose, made holy. God sets you apart. Useful to the master. You're up the front and I'm going to use this person right here and prepared to do any good work. This means you're ready. You're ready to be employed. You're ready to be used. And God wants to use us. And so when we deal with these areas in our life, when we choose the right association, the right people, it's much easier to walk in a godly way. And God goes, that's the person I want to use. Not a perfect person, but a person that's committed to Jesus even to the point that they're willing to put relationships to the side that maybe you've had for a long time because you're that serious about walking in a way that honors God. <laughs> and last but not least, for preparing ourselves, Paul says to Timothy, the idea of set aside anything that holds you back. Set aside Not only do we have to count the cost of following Jesus in our relationships, but we have to count the cost of following Jesus in our habits and actions. And the verse, the thing that Paul says is in verse 22, he says, flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This word fugitive, this word flee that Paul uses, flee evil desires, flee wrong living, flee bad relationships, flee that stuff that's not right is the language of fugitive. That's the root. When you think of fugitive, I always think of like the Harrison Ford movie that came out a long time ago. He's running from that one actor, I don't know his name. And he's like, this guy is like getting hunted by the cops everywhere that he goes. He's got to change his hair color. He's got to grow a beard. Harrison Ford's like hiding out in basements, trying not to get caught by the cops. There's like, there's, and there's a bunch of opportunities in the film where the cops almost get him. There's this moment where he's at a waterfall and they're like, no, nah, he's like, nah, not going to get me today. Yeah. And he jumps off the waterfall, watch the movie. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, Paul was here to be, listen. You have sin out to get you. It's coming to your door. It's coming to your workplace. It's coming to every area of your life. It is out to get you and you need to avoid sin like a fugitive avoids the law enforcement. You need to be avoiding it. You need to be looking out for it. You need to be peeking. like, is this gonna be something that is gonna catch me up? You need to be aware because sin is out to entangle you. The Bible says that the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to steal your influence. He wants to take away your impact. And so Christians are continually on the run to escape sinful passions. And you can go through the list of whatever you want that to be, but there are things that maybe you wrestle with that the person next to you doesn't wrestle with, your sin of choice that is trying to entrap you, trying to entangle you. And there are different things that each and every one of us wrestle with. There's different desires that are not of God. And Paul is saying, listen, don't just try to avoid it. Flee. Run. Run. Do anything that you have to, like a fugitive, to avoid that sin in your life. Anything that you have to do to avoid that, make sure that you take those steps because that will derail you. That will take you away from where God's called you and will actually make you unclean and then unusable. So if you want to be used by God, don't deal lightly with sin like a fugitive. Do everything you can to flee sin that tries to entangle you. like the passion, not only do we run away, but let me say this, we run towards. Paul says, hey, don't just flee evil desires, but pursue. Don't just walk away from bad relationships. Find the right relationships. Don't just walk away from doubting, but pursue uh, faith. Don't just walk away from impurity, but Pursue purity. Don't just walk away from anxiety, but pursue peace. See, God has called you to leave some things behind in your Christian walk and to embrace some other things. And it's our job to go to the areas in our life of self-cleaning and say, God, if this thing is holding me back from being used by you, then God, I want it out of my life because I don't wanna compromise. I don't wanna use anything that's gonna hold me back from being used by you. i was thinking about this you know the cleaning of our life and how difficult that is sometimes you know, i talk with people all the time I talk with a brother before this service he's really trying to live for jesus he's really trying to get things right trying to take some right steps in his relationship trying to get married and I said, how you doing in purity? People get a little uncomfortable. I ask hard questions. That, so are you sleeping together? Well, uh, yeah, we are. We are. And I was saying, hey, listen, God's called you. God's called you to live a different life. I'm not here to say this to shame you or anything, but God's called you to live a different life. You have a calling upon your life. You're, you're, not, just, you're not just anybody. You're, 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 not, you're not just, you know, you're not just uh, some nobody over here. God's actually called you. Jesus has died on the cross for you. He's paid the ultimate, not some cheap price. He paid the ultimate price for you to be his child. And, and I want your relationship, your, this thing that's going to be soon to be marriage, I want you to go into the decades. But you know what? That starts with living a, a right life now so you can build a foundation that goes into the decades. I want you to, I want you to walk in a pure way, not because I want to control you, Because I want you to submit yourself to God who's called you and washed you and cleansed you. I want you to be used in a greater way than I can ever be used. I want God to say, that's the person I want to use because the way they're submitting themselves and following me and walking a clean life, even as hard as it is, they're pursuing. When they fall, they repent, they turn back. I want God to say, that's one right there. Them, that person right there is who I want. You're gifted and talented and doing all this, but you sidelined yourself because you won't leave things behind. And God's saying to some of us, it's time to leave those things behind. I think of this picture of washing dishes, right? This, this image of, you know, we're like the dishes in God's household and sometimes we get dirty. And I'll tell you, is my new chore in the house is washing dishes. I actually, accept- Right before she's up, I'm washing the dishes. Specifically, what I've learned with washing dishes is the longer that you leave a dish unwashed in the sink, the harder it gets to clean the dish. Sometimes when I leave my shake in my cup, oh my goodness, man, that thing is impossible to clean. You gotta use the green sign, you're like putting all your energy into cleaning this thing out, you're like, oh, I'm gonna win this battle. And you know what, in our life, some dishes, water, done. When you leave things undealt with in your life, say, I'll get to it later, I'll deal with that bitterness. I'll deal with that resentment down the road. It's like that dish that sits in the sink and it becomes that much harder to clean out of your heart. It gets that much harder to get rid of that issue. But let me tell you this, here's the encouraging thing, because I know each and every one of us, and I'm the first in line, we all have some things in our life that there's some dishes that we've left them in the sink for a little bit and we got to get into that. And it's tough. And sometimes you're halfway like, this isn't, I am going to throw this dish away. But you know what? Here's... Here's the encouraging thing. Before Paul tells Timothy all of these things, early in chapter 1, he reminds Timothy of the spirit that he has. He says, Timothy, I've given you a spirit of power. And there's times where you're washing and you're saying, this unforgiveness that I've had here, this thing I don't want to get into, I don't know if I can get through all this, I don't know if I can mess through all this. And you know what? God's saying, listen, you're not just doing it in your own power. I'm giving you the power of my Holy Spirit to clean these dishes, to wash these cups, to work through all those areas in your heart, maybe that you've left untouched for a long time. You've left just sit there and it's gotten hard and it's It's actually sidelined you from being used by God. Sidelined you. And God is saying to you today it's time to go back to that thing that you're avoiding. And allow my spirit to do the work alongside of you to clean all of that stuff in your life that you've avoided, that's held held you in bondage, that's been a stronghold. You can't beat it on your own. You can't clean that resentment in your heart on your own. But with my power. And with my spirit and with you submitted to me in humility and with the intention of saying, I'm going to go in and deal with some of that good God so that I can be used by you. When God sees that in your heart, when God sees that motive, when God sees that humility, when God sees that need of saying, God, I can't do this without you, it it does something to the heart of God that says that is somebody that I will use my power for. And that is somebody that I will use. That is somebody that I will get into their messiness of their life to clean out the garbage that's been there for a long time so that I can use them again. God has given you not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power to transform your heart and to make you useful for him. Can you stand with me, church? Any time that I study a passage of scripture I'm always asking myself this question, God, I know that you're preparing me to speak to the church, but God, what are you speaking to me? Because I want to receive before I go out to deliver. I want you to speak to my heart, God. This isn't, just, this isn't for them, this is for us. I need to know this. I need to hear this. I need to be influenced by your word. I need to be submitted to it. I need to be corrected by your word. I need to be encouraged by your word. God, what do you have to say? And as I finished studying this passage, the question that I walked away for all of us is, God, is there anything in my life that is making me unusable to you? Is there anything in my heart, anything that nobody else knows about that's hidden? any motive that I'm doing things that nobody knows me? Is there anything in my life, God, that I'm holding on to that I need to let go to be used by you? God, I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm not lost. In, I'm, I'm a follower of you. And you've called me to be holy like you're holy. And God, if there's anything in my heart or my life that is making me unclean and therefore unusable. God, would you show it to me? Would you give me the power to get in there alongside your Holy spirit and leave those old things behind? Do some self-cleaning. And as you inspect your life, as you look through your habits and your deeds and your actions and your words, there's not one person, including myself that stands perfect in all that we do, not even close to it. Oh man, when I blow it, I cling to Jesus and Jesus, help me leave these things behind, help me leave these thoughts behind, help me leave these actions behind. I don't want to do that, God. Help me, empower me, cleanse my heart, humble me, God, if you need to. Cause I'm a follower of Jesus and you are too, you've been called by the king of all kings. You don't own yourself anymore. You have a master that you're saying, God, use my life however you can use it for your glory and for your honor because then my life's done and then I'm with you. So use me. And I wonder if today God brought you here to identify something in your life and saying today is the day that you clean that out. Today's the day that you go to that place in that relationship. Today's the day that you deal with that bad habit, that old practice, that old way. And you say, today, God, I'm going to leave that behind. I'm going to abandon that. I'm going to flee that thing that I was doing so I can be washed, cleansed, and used by you. And so as we sing, if you know not some hunch, not some, but if you know, you feel in your spirit that God is saying to you individually, not the person next to you, but you, like this is something that I'm giving for you. Like that word this morning was for you, for you. Course correct your life and say, God, I'm doing it today. I'm dealing with that issue. If you know today that God's saying, there's something I'm identifying to you that's making you unusable and you're saying, God, I hear you and I'm ready to deal with it. Then as we sing this song, I'm gonna invite you forward, not to deal with it later, not in the car, not when you're home, not tonight, but right now, and come before God in humility, not caring who sees you and just saying, God, I'm going to deal with that. I heard you, I see what it is now, and I wanna be used. And we're going to sing, if that's you, I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and just come forward. Just humble yourself and come forward and say, God. Just have that conversation with God and say, God, I know what that thing is. I know what that thing is. God can't hold back on calling his people to repentance to be used. If he's calling you as his child, you as a servant, and you feel his tug, then respond to him and say, God, I hear you. And I'm ready to clean that area so I can be used by you, God. Then we're gonna sing. That's you, I invite you forward. And as we sing, if you're prompted by the Spirit, just come forward. And before you and God, that's just what it is, on your knees, say, God, I know what it is and I'm ready to deal with it. Let's sing.